Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. guys doing well? Uh, It's a beautiful Sunday morning here in the beautiful town of St. Augustine, right? Um, Thank you so much. How awesome is Mike? Uh, Mike and Kelly are absolute legends in the faith. So if you don't know them, you need to get to know them. They're incredible. Um, Online, wherever the camera is, it's so good that you guys are here and that you're watching at home or wherever you might find yourself. Um, We all love you here, and you're just as a part of a family um, where you are today. So, you guys ready for the word? Well, our pastors are away today. Matt and Jill, they are up in Jacksonville, the great city of Jacksonville, Florida. Um, They are preaching at an amazing church plant up there. And I just... I was talking to him last week and he's like, yeah, it'd be good to share that. And I just think it's so cool to see their heart for the local church. You see, they have such a heart for this church. They have such a heart for the big C church in general, but they also believe in the local church. And it's just so cool to see them pouring into other houses, to see them be completely changed by the grace of God. So um, be praying for them. If you think of them today, uh, send them an encouraging message. Pray for them. Sound good? Great. Well, we're going to be in Matthew 17. Before we jump into it, let's pray. God, we thank you for what a beautiful place this is that you have us. St. Augustine, Florida, Colonial Church, Lord. We don't take it for granted here in this moment. And as your word goes out today, Lord, I pray that you would bless my mouth, that you'd bless my mind, that you'd bless your people. God, pour out your spirit through the words that go forth here today so your glory can be proclaimed and manifested in the lives of those that hear this message. Lord, we pray the same for our pastors as they share the word. Pray that you would bless them. We honor them here today, God. And we also pray for the leaders that are in Colonial Kids. We pray that the kids that come in contact with them would be encouraged and leave changed, Jesus. We pray for their little hearts to have their little light bulbs turned on and have a greater revelation of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, like I said, we're going to be in Matthew 17. Today's message is going to be a little bit different. You ready for this? No points. <laughs> well, I have no pointer message. I, I took the shot and completely missed. Airball. Uh, but today's message is going to be just a little bit different. Um, I want to share with you a personal revelation that I've been having over the past couple weeks that God has been taking me on. And it's one of those messages, as I started to write it, I was preparing, sometimes when you write messages, it can be a bit more difficult. It takes a little bit of time and effort. This one came with so much joy and expectancy. So I'm really expectant to see what God's going to do in your guys' life and with his word, uh, not mine. I, my hope is that you walk away from this church service, not thinking that it's a great message. I, did, I, would, I hope that you don't walk away thinking that this message changed you or that you're encouraged by my revelation. My hope is that you walk away with a beautiful picture of the majesty of God in your own life. Here's the thing. As good as any picture is or any masterpiece, 
we have to behold it. We have to choose to look to see the beauty. You hearing me? For example, uh, I was driving over the 312 bridge, which, anyone in here have the bumper sticker that says, don't make me drive over the bridge? (laughs) Yes, we got one. Um, It's an amazing bumper sticker. I was actually driving over the bridge with someone who had that bumper sticker on their car, and I was like, that's a little ironic. But it was, it was a, it was me, my youngest, or my youngest kid, Peter, and my oldest daughter, which only have two kids. I don't know why I say it like that. <laughs> it was Micah, my daughter, and Peter, my son, and we're driving over the 312 bridge, and Peter's screaming, I've just spilled coffee on my shirt, getting cut off the whole nine yards, right? And Micah, my daughter, who's three, is pointing out the window going, Dad, 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 look, look, Dad, Dad, look. And I was like, okay, I'll look. So I look out the window, and it's high tide. The sun's just coming up over the trees there, there's a sailboat in the water, birds are flying, and I was just like, wow, that is beautiful. Like, we live in such a beautiful place. And then my daughter, right on cue, goes, look, Dad, isn't it beautiful? And it just got me. I was like, one of those parenting moments where you're just like, I can't be emotional right now, I gotta stay strong, I got a screaming kid in the back, but I'm like, oh my gosh, all over again. But that's what the messages are, I wanna encourage you, is it's someone looking at the beauty and the majesty of God and not saying like, how awesome is this? It's saying, how awesome is that? You're hearing me? So today, as we hear this message, I wanna encourage you, listen for the voice of God. See the beauty of the voice of God in the message. It reminds me of uh, John 1, John the Baptist. He was a great man who prepared the way, his entire life was to prepare the way for Jesus. And in one moment, he received the revelation of who Jesus was, seeing him walking there. And he says this in John 1, 29. It says, the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, behold, say behold. behold. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold. Today, if you're looking for a title for the message, it's just that, simply, behold. And we're gonna be talking about the transformation of, or transfiguration of Jesus in Matthew 17. You got your Bibles with you? Great, Uh, verse one. If you don't, it's gonna be on the screen here behind me. It says this, ready? It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, this is important, remember that name, really hard to remember, Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them to a high mountain by themselves. I think it's very interesting how Jesus chose Peter to go. And you might be wondering why in chapter 16, just before this, literally the moment before this happens, the conversation that's happening before this, Peter makes a mistake, and Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. I don't want Jesus saying that about me, right? <laughs> get behind me, Satan. That's like the worst thing that Jesus could say, say to you. It's like, get behind me, Satan. He's like, oh my gosh, right? He could have been in the dumps, but I think it's interesting. Out of all of the disciples, he still chose Peter. Here's the truth. What you have done in your past does not disqualify what God has for your future. This is the basis of this message. What you've done in your past, it doesn't matter what it is. It does not disqualify you for what God wants to do in your future. Verse two, it says, speaking of Jesus, he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as 
light. He's displaying the glory of God to them. Verse three, and behold, there's that word again. There appeared with them Moses and Elijah talking with them. We'll dive a little bit more into this later. Verse four, and Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we're here. If you wish, I will make three tents, one for you, Moses and Elijah. And he was still speaking when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed him and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. But Jesus, or sorry, when the disciples heard this, verse six, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them saying, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. If there's one thing to walk away with today, it's this, we need Jesus. We say it all the time, it can be easy to say, but I'm finding myself receiving this revelation again and again and again and again, I need Jesus. It can be easy to look at the world and look at everything that's going on and say, the world needs Jesus, right? But it's true, they do. Many people think when we think what the world needs, we need more strategies, charities, policies, political parties, association, which those are all great things. But what we need actually is to get away alone with no one to judge us, no one to commend us, no one to encourage us, no stages, no one to promote us, no one to hear us and to get on our knees and behold the splendor and awe of who Christ is. That's what we need. That's what you need. If you're looking for something, can I encourage you? You need Jesus. It can be so easy to think when we think about the world that somebody else will take Jesus to them. I'll come to church. I might read my Bible a little bit. I'll do the things. But when it comes to sharing my faith, I'm going to just uh, hold it to myself, right? But I want to encourage you. Uh, it's so important as a Christian to share your faith. God, I think, orchestrates divine conversations in your life, people asking about your life, where we have the opportunity to say, yeah, I do go to church. You should come with me. It doesn't need to be oogly boogly, Right? <laughs> The world needs Jesus. I was driving to uh, North Georgia or last week. And has anyone driven to North Georgia and to avoid Atlanta, you, take, you go through like the boondocks? Anyone? Man, we were for hours driving through like two straight hours, nothing. I mean, I've never seen that part of Georgia before. I was like, where? I, my wife and I, we kept driving and it just kept going and we're like, where are we? And the GPS is like, turn left in a mile. And we take a left and we're through nothing. And we're like, we really hope this thing knows where it's going, right? Because like, we have no idea where we are. And we're in the middle of driving through the middle of nowhere. And we came across this town, which when I say town, it was more like a small village dwelling of people that I don't know where they came from or what they're doing. But we came through this one street and we're driving through the street on the right, bunch of buildings on the left, bunch of buildings, but every single one was completely boarded up and abandoned. And there was two guys that were standing out at a gas station. And I was like, where do these guys live? Right? There's nothing here. But my heart started to break for them. It was like, those two guys need Jesus in the middle of nowhere. 
Who's going to reach them? And it was almost like a picture moment. Just a couple of minutes further, there was a beautiful church up on a hill. And as we passed it, there was a sign below it that said, pray for revival in this county. I was like, wow. See, the truth is we can't do everything. I'm not going to stop my car. Every person that I see but we can do something. We can pray for revival for that county as we go because the local church can reach them. You hearing me? It can be easy to think somebody else to do it, but I want to encourage you, let's get in the secret place ourselves and take Jesus out to people. Here's the truth today. If the world is to see Jesus, we need to display his glory, right? It's pretty an easy assumption, but here's where it changes. If we are to display the glory of Jesus, we need to know the glory of Jesus. If the world is to see Jesus, we need to display his glory. And if the world, if we are to display his glory, we need to actually know what that looks like. And what I'm trying to say, this whole message is like really simple, I promise you. It's this, go and aggressively seek the quiet place by yourself, alone, with no one else, for as much time as you can to spend in the glory and awe of who Jesus is. The quiet place is where you'll find him, on your knees. And I don't know about you, I'm trying, like, I feel like the world wants me to spin my wheels, right, and do more things, but what God's asking us to do is to come away. He wa- the world wants me to try to build something for other people, and then Once we start trying to do that, this is where it gets a little weird, we try to guess what God's glory looks like through the noise and then do that. Right? We have our busy lives and then instead of centering our lives around Christ, we center our lives around our own world and then look out at a life with Christ and say, what could it be like? I'm going to try to do that. You hearing me? What if we instead got alone together? Not you and me, but me and Jesus, you and Jesus, and sought after the glory yourself. And he he would show it to you, I promise, friend. A.W. Tozer is an amazing theologian, and he wrote uh, this book called The Pursuit of God. Many people have probably read it here. It's a really famous book. But the thing that stood out to me about this book is that he wrote every word of that book on his knees. Every word that he put down, he did it on his knees, seeking the glory of God. And he says this, he says, if biblical Christianity is to survive the present world upheaval, we shall need to have a fresh revelation of the greatness and the beauty of Jesus. Not a stale old revelation that we had years ago, a fresh revelation of Jesus. Jesus today, he is still shining his glory upon us, his goodness upon us. Uh, Number six says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious towards you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. But you might be in this place with this many people in a room, you might be feeling, you know what? That's great. I don't see that in my life. I don't feel that in my life. I don't feel the goodness of God in my life. And I understand. It can be hard. You might be like, you don't know how hard, and you're right, I don't. But life can be cruel sometimes. It can be. But I was reminded as God was 
bringing me to this place, thinking about you, friend, in whatever you might be going through, that no matter how crazy it was in my car going over the 312 bridge, the sun and the splendor of God was still shining right outside my dash. So I want to encourage you, even if things are crazy, even if the worst is happening right now, get away. Look through the noise, get past the dashboard and look out to what God has for you, friend. You with me? I feel you. It's hard. (laughs) Today, I just want to encourage you to do one thing. No matter what your situation is, get away and behold Jesus. That's what this passage is about, really. When you look at the transfiguration, I look at this passage and I see Jesus doing all he can to reveal his splendor to these three disciples. He's doing all he can to shine the glory of God upon them, to see this revelation, this light bulb go off, but it takes a while for it to click, which I feel very familiar with, right? Matthew 17, verse two, let's read it again. It says, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. If that happened to somebody I knew, I I pray that I would be on my face. Let's look at their response. Uh, there's no response. Jesus does this whole thing and they don't, nothing. So he takes it up a notch. You ready? And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. Now, this is a huge part of the story. Moses signifies the law. Elijah signifies the prophets. Everything that these men would have ever believed about religion, God, anything would have been based on these two people. So they witnessed seeing those two people that everything that they had seen is based upon. And then they saw Jesus higher in splendor, in glory. You hearing me? This is incredible. It's just this big revelation to them. And let's look at their response. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we're here. Yeah, let's make it about me as fast as possible. (laughs) Anybody relate to that? It's like, oh, Lord, it is good that we're here. Let's look at what else he says. He says, if you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Big thing to understand here, the word tents that Peter used isn't like Patagonia, $1,000 REI, 10-person sleeper, air conditioning, right? The word tents used is the word tabernacle which means dwelling place for the holy ones. What Peter was trying to do is he was trying to capture this moment. He's trying to capture this moment and it's so amazing to think about our culture nowadays and what we try to do with the moments of awe, the first thing we try to do, pull out our phones and capture them. But what he was missing is he didn't need to be capturing a moment with God. Things from God are not meant to be captured and confined. They are meant to be glorified and set free. Glorified and set free. You see, when we try to confine the things of God, we're stifling it. You hearing me? We're containing it. But I want to encourage you when we go instead and say, wow, God, you are glorious. You are above and beyond any expectation that I have. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've given me. You're setting him free in your life. They're not meant to be contained. They're meant to be set free. And so here's Peter trying to capture this moment and God steps it up another notch. 
Verse five, he was still speaking when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them with a voice from the cloud saying, this is my beloved son who I am well pleased. Listen to him. And they finally get it. Verse six, when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces. They got low. They were fully present in the glory of God. Can we do that? One of the hardest things uh, in today's day and age, I don't need to preach this long because everyone knows it, is to be present. It's getting harder and harder and harder to be present in the moment. And I was thinking about this and why, asking myself, why is it so hard? And one word came to my mind and it's escapism. We have a culture that struggles with wanting to escape. And I don't think escapism is necessarily a bad thing in small doses or whatever, but when it becomes your entire life, I was reading a study about just how much time we spend on screens. Preacher talking about screens. Here we go. It's, it's important. This is really important. How much time we're spending on screens, it just, it just hit me that we've got to a point where we're escaping so much to our screens that our screens are no longer escape from our lives, but our lives are an escape from our screens. There's a study by the Pew Research Center that is a great study that talks about how much time, it's a worldwide study, and it talks about each country, how much time people are spending on screens. Who's the worst and who's the best? If you guys wanna know, the worst is South Africa, the best is Japan, so we're all moving to Japan. (laughs) Just joking. Um, But the national average, the thing I was interested in was the United States. What's our national average? How much time a day are we spending on screens? And I'm pleased to tell you, we only spend one hour on screens just joking. You're like, everyone knows it's not true. Okay, four hours. Just joking. Average a day, the, ne- the average American from baby to very old, seven hours. Seven hours a day on screen. Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> Ready? Gen Z. Oh, I said it. Gen Z, the generation, sorry to pick on a generation. You guys are the best. I'm a young adults pastor. I love Gen Z. Um, But Gen Z spends on average in the United States nine, over nine hours a day on their phones. Let me put this in a little bit of context for you. 3,285 hours a year. That's over 106 or 36 days of the year. More context here, the average American sleeps 122 days. More than we're sleeping. Over a third of the year, if you put that into a decade, it's 3.72 years out of a decade. Wow, why am I telling you this? We have a problem with being present. So the question comes, what do we do? Well, on your way out, we have a trash bag. You can throw all your phones in there, throw all your kids' phones in there, get rid of all the electronics, and we'll move on with our life, right? No, I'm not telling you this to say that phones are bad and all this other stuff. That's not the reason of me doing this. The reason why I'm asking this is so we can get to this question, what can we do? And I think a better question that we need to ask ourselves is this, what can I do? What can I do? When we're met with a problem of this proportion, it's like, man, no, what can I do? And I want to encourage you out of Psalms 46.10. It says this, cease striving and know that I am God. 
Other translations say, be still and know that I am God. In other words, behold him. Be still. Know that he is God. Goes on and says, I will be exalted among the nations. Not I might be exalted. Not I may be exalted. Not if you worship hard enough, I'll be exalted. It says, I will be exalted. So you can take all that pressure off. And what can we do? We can go to the secret place, get on our knees, behold Jesus, and trust that he will be exalted. And then he says, I will be exalted in the earth. We need the stillness. We need to stop escaping, stop striving, and be still. The best thing we can do for your lives is to get on our knees before the Lord. The best thing we can do for our nation is to get on the knee, our knees before the Lord. The best thing that we can do for our children is get on our knees before the Lord. The best thing we can do for our teachers is to get on our knees before the Lord, for our loved ones on our knees. Why? Because everything comes from God. So I want to spend more time with Jesus. D.L. Moody says this, he who kneels the most stands the best. And I look back on this story and I kind of don't see that in the natural. Like you see these three disciples in the natural, their worlds didn't really get better. They got beat. Some of them killed. They lost Jesus all of this natural stuff may have not gotten better, but here today we are standing upon these three men. They were the foundation of the church going out into all of the earth here today, and you finding out about Jesus were these three men. Wow, if we want to be used by God, we got to get away with him. You with me? Um, I need to confess something today. Ready? Big, big change. This is actually a really big moment for me because... You guys could get a little upset at me. I am not a beach person. So I live in St. Augustine. I just big change here. I live in St. Augustine, and my wife would tell you this too. I don't like the beach personally. I grew up in Oregon in the mountains, and I'm like, not a, not a beach person. But my family loves the beach. Loves it. So we go whenever we can when we try to relax. And the other day, we were out there, and the beach was like wooing me into like come experience the beach and it was amazing like the birds were there my daughter was running down the beach the like sun was shining and you guys think I'm just like being over extravagant I actually took a video of it and I want to share this video with you the waves were perfect it was absolutely beautiful and my wife I sent this video to my wife that's my wife and my son um I sent this video to my wife and she put it to music and made it look really nice and all that. But it was just like the best day on the beach I've ever had. And as I was looking back in the future, like last week I was watching this video and I started to get emotional. I was like, why am I getting emotional right now? Is it because I want to be with my daughter? Is it because I want to uh, hang out with my family more? Is it because I love the beach? I don't know, but I'm emotional right now. And then it dawned on me, it was like, because I need to be more present with my daughter. You see, as a parent, you have a desire to be present deep down with your children. And those who are parents know what I mean. 
there is this desire to be present with him. Now imagine if Micah, my youngest, grew up, or not my, my oldest, grew up, and I invited her to come over to my house. And I made her a big meal, and then she said, invite all your friends. She invited all of her friends, and all of her friends came over. She came over to her house. She came and started eating all the food, and it was amazing, like the best food she's ever eaten. She loved it. Her and her friends are talking a lot, and they were even talking about me. But then the time comes, and she leaves, and she never even acknowledged me. Man, how would I feel? And I think that the biggest trap for the enemy with Christians is we can get into the rut of Christianity where we show up, we come to the house, we do the things, but are we fully engaged with Jesus? Are we fully encountering Jesus? And I want to encourage you, friend, it comes from being fully open and surrendered to him. In those moments, we can do that here, but it also comes from, like, if Micah came to my house and didn't have a relationship with me at all, it would be kind of difficult, right? But if we talked on the phone every day, if we spent time together when she came to the, my house with, with her friends, wow, what a time of fellowship we would have. So I want to encourage you again, behold Jesus. We need one thing, that's to get away alone with no one to judge us, commend us, encourage us, promote us or hear us, and to get on our knees and behold the majesty of Christ. And you might be here, band, you can come up. Um, you might be here and you're thinking, cool, bro. Like, you're asking me to get on my knees, like, and pray or be around Jesus. I am. I really am. And I want to encourage you again to do this. Do it now. Because even if you feel like you're too good to do this, and this is kind of a hard truth, I hope it's okay. Even if you feel like you're too good, nah, I'm not, I'm not actually gonna do that. You will. You will. Philippians 2.9 says, therefore God has been highly, or God highly exalted Jesus and bestowed him the name that is above every other name. Listen to this, verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. You see, it's, this isn't just the only time that it says this in scripture. It says it all throughout scripture that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And you can look at every person in this room. You can walk out and look at every person downtown St. Augustine who is a tourist. You can get on a plane and look at every person in the eye. You can see the highest political leaders in the world. You can look at them and say, every knee will bow. They will bow. One of the most beautiful pictures of this is when Jesus reveals himself to a guy named Saul on the road. You see, Saul hated God, hated or he hated Jesus, and he was persecuting Jesus. And he was on the road in the middle of persecuting Christians when Jesus met him, many of us know this story, but I want you to look at what words come out of his mouth. It says, now when he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Sounds familiar. And falling to the ground, 
he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And listen to his words. It says, and he said, who are you, Lord? You see, he didn't even need to know it was Jesus to say he was Lord. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And the question that I want to ask you, friend, is what will you say? Will your knee bow before Jesus and you say, who are you, Lord? Or will your knee bow before Jesus and you will say, I know you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I want to encourage you, friend, now, when you go home, when you're going throughout your day, to enter into a relationship with Jesus, the Savior. You see, God desperately wants you. He wants you to be present with him. So much so that he sent his son, Jesus, to this earth to die to make a way for us to enter into relationship with him so that we can be present with him. There's a verse, uh, I'm gonna pull it up here. Deuteronomy 4.24 says, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. When you read this, I understand it more now. He is jealously passionate to be present with you. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we didn't know him, even when we chose to go away from him, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, friend, and raised up with him and seated And he seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. In other words, so that we can behold the splendor of God. Will you stand with me? Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you, why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.